0: Hey everyone, you're listening to the Covenant Grace Church podcast. We are a gospel-centered community on mission with Jesus in Port Elizabeth, South Africa. Enjoy the message. Hello. Hey. Sorry, I'm just going to settle myself quick. Goodness gracious. Okay, so I, I definitely need to start by saying it is cold. <laughs> if you're at home and under a blanket, super jealous of you right now, because it is freezing. Um, if I stumble over my words this morning, I'm really sorry, my tongue is going to freeze up at some point. Um, but yeah, it is It is really strange. The first time I preached, um, we were at 50. The second time we I preached, we were at 100, and now we're like 15. So it's a bit it's bizarre, but... But we make do. So we're saying hi to you guys at home. Hope everyone's doing well. Um, Greg mentioned you know, that we don't have our family, our church family together at the moment. And um, at the moment with the team that's in the room, it's mostly actually young adults, which is really cool. Um, so I actually just wanted to take this time to mention one of our young adults who's actually going to be moving overseas um, in the coming week, hopefully, if, if her COVID test comes back negative, she'll be moving overseas. Um, so, Taylor, it is really sad that we won't be able to say goodbye to you in person and just you know send you off and pray for you, but um, we really just wish you all the best. Um, if you guys know Taylor, please shoot her a message. She's probably not going to like that because she's super introverted, but um, if you know her, send her a message. Just encourage her. She's going to be, she's going to be leaving and... Um, yeah, it's a whole new chapter for her to a new country as well. So that is hectic. Um, her number is going to pop up here, and I'm kidding. It's not going to do that. It's not. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to tell jokes now as well. There's no one. No one's going to laugh. But hopefully, you guys will still enjoy it at home. Um, cool. So I just want to kind of recap uh, where we've been with First Peter. Um, we finished. Our Elect Exile series last week, and if you've been following us, we really hope you have enjoyed it. We really hope it's been a blessing to you guys. Um, we have no doubt that God has worked through that series, um, especially in just our, our current climate. Um, just with all the, all the progressive thought going around, um, it is nice to, to know how we're supposed to conduct ourselves as Christians in, in today's society. Um, in 1 Peter, we experienced Peter preparing us for a rough Kind of road ahead. There's a lot of uh, uh, suffering theology. Um, He spoke much about persecution, in which he anticipated the persecution that he and other Christians were going to endure in the final year of of Nero's kind of reign, final years of that. Um, And he also just focused on the importance of of believers bearing up under unjust suffering, um, but still continuing to to live well. Um, In the second letter, He's going to call us to pursue spiritual maturity through the Word of God as a remedy for, to false teaching. Um, so we're going to see that come up quite a lot this time. Um, I, I always had to ask myself, why is everything I'm saying too important? So I'm going to ask the question, I've got it written down here, why is this important to know? Um, so Peter's about to show us, in his second letter, why it's important to have just biblically based, biblically accurate knowledge of God and of the saving work of Jesus. If we have to look at um, just, just, just one um, 2 Peter 1, uh, verse 16, he says, We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. And then later on, he goes on and he says um, that you would do well to remember these things. So, um, this is just, we're going to explore this later on. I just want to give you kind of a direction of where we're going to be going with this. Um, so he wants people to be adequately and appropriately equipped to withstand the subtle whispers of a false doctrine, um, that might just land on the ears. And, uh, uh, we're going to see that later, but he also wants us to possess the correct knowledge of God and Jesus to pre- prevent these falsities from landing in our hearts. We don't want to take that stuff in. Um, I found myself also asking the question, just, just reading through what they were going through at the time, and I find myself asking, you know, have things changed? Like, I, I actually don't think so. I could, ans- I could answer that question with just like a, an emphatic, no, things really haven't changed. If we have to look at our current cultural landscape, um, this age of subjective truth, um, really, it's, it's a firm no. Things haven't changed. Uh, and the sad reality is that, just like it did back then, all of this stuff is creeping into the church. Um, and it's very, very dangerous. And so Peter wants us to be prepared for something like this, you know? Um, it's also strange to me, uh, just, just something else that I thought it's very strange, that recently we, it's almost like we can't get through a week of church without having to mention how important our Bibles need to be in the Christian life. Uh it, it's it's very, very tough out there at the moment for young people, for old people. It's just it's hectic at the moment. And and we're about to see in this book of Second Peter that it was tough for believers in Peter's day too, and hopefully we can learn something from that. Um so how does Peter plan to encourage us and prepare us? So firstly he's gonna examine our faith. We're gonna ask questions like what is it? Where does it come from? How can we be sure that we have it? How do we live it out? Um Hopefully, he's going to be able to answer a lot of those questions for us. Uh, secondly, he's going to focus on false preachers, false prophets. He's going to help us identify untruth and reinforce ourselves with solid truth, truth. Just good old-fashioned truth. Um, and finally, in the, last, in the last few preachers, Peter's going to help, us to, under, to help us to prepare for the return of the Lord. He's going to encourage us in the face of scrutiny and skepticism and show us that we can trust our Lord and our Savior to fulfill every great and every precious promise that He's promised to us. Um, In chapter 1, verse 13 to 15, Peter tells us as well, I think it right, as long as I'm in this body to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure you may may be able at any time to recall these things. So Peter's telling us like I'm about to die soon. I am going to die very soon. And when I read that I I had to read that with a bit with a bit of weight. Um, whenever you hear of people talking about someone that's gonna die soon um or someone that they know that's maybe passed away there seems to be an emphasis placed on, on what their last words were. Like, what, what were their last words? That's so important, you know? Um, and in the same way, when I was reading through this, through this book, I thought to myself, jeepers, Peter, okay, like, this is some hectic stuff, and I'm listening, you have my attention, because if these were his last words, and this is an apostle talking to us, we, I think it is right for us to heed this with, with an extra weight. So, so as we go through this book as a church, I... I hope that we can bear in mind and really heed what God is, is trying to say to us through Peter here in his, in his last days, um, so before we just go into the text i 'm going to pray for us again. Um, I just enjoy doing that, so uh, please join me in some prayer. yeah Father, we just wanna, we want to thank you for for your word to us lord we we see the fruit of it in our lives, and and when we don't, Father, I pray that you would just convict us today. I pray that your Spirit would move, Lord, wherever you are. Um, I pray that you would just work in hearts today. I pray that your truth, Lord, would just push out any other kind of falsity or, or, or untruth that people are believing at the moment, Lord. I pray that your Word would just sink deep into the hearts of believers today. I pray that you would encourage them through your Word, and I pray that your Spirit would just abound today, Father God, and um, yeah, I just pray that um, you would calm me down today. You'd calm my nerves and, and just um, allow me to just preach freely today, Father God. In Jesus' name, Amen. Cool. So we're going to read from Second Peter chapter one, verse one to four. If you have a Bible, if you have a phone app, it will be up on the this. <laughs> it's not up there, but it will be up on the slides. Verse one: Simon Peter, a servant and apostle so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Amen. So out of these four verses, we're going to be taking a closer look at this faith of equal standing uh, that Peter refers to and what that looks like across the board for believers. So a faith of equal standing. Let's take a look at verse 1 again. He says, Simon Peter a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. I want to tuck right into that greeting. Um, just as in his first letter, he identifies himself. He says, I'm an apostle. Here I am. Um, if you've been tracking with us on, on D&D on a Wednesday, um, you'll know that it was important for him to identify himself as such because there weren't many apostles and all of them had authority. Uh, these guys were... They carried all the authority in the early church, and because of this authority, whatever they endorsed also bore their authoritative stamp. So it was safe to say that if these guys wrote it down, if they said it, it was God speaking through them, and it bore his authority most certainly. It is interesting, though, that we see Peter identify himself as a servant as well. So we've got an apostle on one hand, which is like, whoa, okay, apostle, that's, that's weighty. He's God's authoritative voice. But we've also, then he's like, yeah, but hey, I'm a servant first. I'm servant and then also apostle. So we've got this kind of like, this imbalance to me, and it seems like a massive gulf in the middle there. No offense to the people that make coffee, but it's, it's like, we've got like, <laughs> you know, like pastor and then the guy that makes coffee, and then Peter's going like, whoa, okay, cool. Yeah, that's on both of those. We're all of, we're all of that, right? So in their context, in the days of kings and rulers, a servant was definitely lower than an emissary or an ambassador of, of God. What Peter was trying to show them was that he was not any more important in God's eyes than the lowest of person in, in, uh, in society. So he wasn't any more saved or any less saved than they were. The same grace that rescued Peter was the same grace that was going to save anyone. You know, anyone, it's the same grace. If we continue in verse 1, he reinforces that. He says, To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. So, again, there he is. He's, He's reinforcing the idea of equality by suggesting that they share our faith, the apostles' faith. It's ours. Peter's posture is is an incredibly humble one. He does not waive his authority, but he meets his brothers and sisters where they are in order to encourage them. He's almost taking a page out of of Jesus' book when when Jesus says to them in Luke 22, verse 25 to 26, And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. So not only is he living out what Jesus has been teaching them, um, but he's also juxtaposing it with what the world's doing. And, and so he's bringing kind of two points into there, which is really great. So this faith we share, it's, it's a humble faith. It should humble us. And as soon as we think we have it pegged at any moment... I want us to play, pay close attention to this word obtained. So, so from the original Greek, this word can also be translated as allotted um, or chosen to receive. So if we are allotted something, it means that it's it's given to us. But on what basis is this given to us? Maybe if we behave, Is it maybe that's what it is. Maybe uh, if we're if we're good enough people for, for long enough, God will seek to reward us with uh, this allotment. Um, but no, that's, it's a firm no. The text tells us that it's by, it, it is by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. If ever we are to boast of our faith, then we will always arrive at, a, at an awards show where Jesus wins every prize in every category. Our faith is a gift from him, and so we have to give him all the credit for that. So then you're probably asking yourself, well, why is this important, Emil? Like, why do I need to know this? Cool, yeah, I know that we're all equal, but why is it important for me to know that? So, well, I'm glad you asked. Um, if our position as elect exiles hasn't humbled us enough, then our position as equal exiles should, should do the same even further before we are saved. We are all equal before God. We're sinful from a murderer to a pickpocket. It doesn't matter what you are. You're sinful and you're, you're unholy in the eyes of God. But after we are saved, we are all equal in the eyes of God. We're children of a loving Father who by grace cast His love upon us. So we could look at that from a, from a homeless believer to a CEO of a company believer from a new convert to a pastor, we are all equal before God. No person is better than the rest, and that's only because of Jesus. So then we move on a faith fueled by knowledge in Christ. why we're going to look further at this at this faith so Peter's established everyone's position as equal in the faith um, but now his Focus is going to shift to the knowledge of God and to Jesus. Knowledge of God is a big theme in Second Peter. We're going to see it come, come up. I think I read somewhere that it, it, the word knowledge shows up in this book about 13 times. Um, so it is, it's a very important word. He's obviously trying to land something here, something very important. Um, so it is a very big theme because of the direction Peter is headed later on in this letter. Have you ever heard the saying um, when people go, well, the more you know? They always say that. Oh, well, the more you know. Normally when people say this, they're expressing kind of an awareness that now they know more about something. Um, They're able to understand and subsequently live peacefully in that understanding. Um, And so we see in verse 2, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God And of Jesus our Lord. He is encouraging the believers to rest in the truth of who God is and the promises that he has made. Not only were they being persecuted, but false preachers were present. And so he's also hoping to firm up their faith in God with an increase in knowledge of Jesus. And how are they to achieve this goal? Well, the first step is to know Jesus. So let's take a look at verse 3. It says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So step one, know Jesus. Well, what does that mean to know him? Peter is referring to much more than just a superficial knowledge of Christ's life, Christ's death, and Christ's resurrection. Um, I, I used to work at, I, this, is, this just popped into my head lot now, but I used to work for this company last year, and I remember going on a site, I was going for a drive to a site with my boss, and um, we just struck up a conversation, and we started talking about, about church, and um, things that I do in my spare time, and I told him about church. And so I started to ask him, you know, tell me about your faith. What do you believe in? Um, blah, 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 all of that stuff. And and he could recite the gospel perfectly. He was like, Christ died for my sins, and now I'm forgiven, and, and that was great. But the rest of his life didn't display that. When I see the, saw the fruit that he was producing at work, I didn't get the sense that It was more than just a superficial knowledge. He knew all the right things. Christ's life, Christ's death, Christ's resurrection. We even see Jesus warning us in Matthew 7, verse 21 to 23. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So Peter is talking about the deeper knowing and knowledge that leads to salvation, a saving faith as opposed to a shallow one. And how does this take place? So the majesty of Christ is revealed to us, and as sinners, we are drawn in by just how glorious and excellent Jesus is. We see and know His glory as the one true God, but we also see His excellence in the virtuous life that He led on earth. The same righteousness mentioned in, in verse 1. So Jesus is the source of our ability to begin to live a life life of faith. But how? So John Piper, The Pipes, he puts it like this. He says, we need to pause and stress this. The Christian faith is not merely a set of doctrines to be accepted. It is a power to be experienced. It is a tragic thing to ask people if they know the Lord and have them start listing things they believe about the Lord. Brothers and sisters, believing things about Jesus Christ will save no one. The devils are the most orthodox believers under heaven. It is divine power that saves. If the power of God does not flow into your life and make you godly, you are not Christ's. All who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. The mark of sonship is divine power, and the mark of power is godliness, which means a love for the things of God and a walk in the ways of God. So church, Peter is saying that this faith of equal standing, this faith that everyone has, it unlocks a divine power that grants to us all things that we need to persevere in this faith. This divine power that is present in believers is the same divine power and of the same divine nature as that which resurrected Christ from the grave. This is the same power, though it may not seem like it, it is the same power that enables us to do the good works that please and glorify God. And this supply of spiritual power is never in short supply and never fails we may distance ourselves from this divine well or this source through, through possibly sin. But as soon as we are saved through faith in Christ, God will grant and continue to grant us this kind of power. And if we have, if we have to examine this just a little bit further, what does Peter tell us we are granted? He says all things. He doesn't say some things. We're, we're never lacking. He says all things all things. So without needing to ask for more, we already have every spiritual resource necessary for holy and godly living. Peter's tact with these Christians facing what they are facing also goes a long way to remind us that the Christian way of handling things is radically different from how the world or other religions would have us handle them. Paul puts it perfectly in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18, where he says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So from there, I just want to move into verse 4. So if we kick off from verse 3, he says, uh, To his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his very his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So I want to click pause on divine power for a bit and I want to shift now to verse 4 where Peter begins to talk about these divine promises. So we know that knowledge, true deep knowledge of Jesus' glory as God and His excellence as man is the draw card for unbelievers to come to saving faith, and equal faith to that of Peter's even. So once Christ has sealed our salvation, then we are also granted His precious and great promises. The Greek word for precious here can also be translated as as costly. So these promises are, they're valuable. They're not just they're not just pre- they're they're costly. They are. They're, they're of great value. Some of these promises, as as we may already know, include things like spiritual regeneration, resurrection, the Holy Spirit as our helper, never-ending grace, joy, strength, guidance, help, instruction, wisdom, the promise of heaven, and and even eternal rewards and. And there are a lot more than than that. Those are just the ones that I could list now. I didn't want to go all day. (laughs) And why does the Lord grant this to us? Because that would suggest that we would become full partakers of the divine nature. If we are called now to one day partake in the divine nature of all these promises, then we must also be certain that we are escaping from the corruption that is in the world. So the word corruption can also be translated as decay. Um, when I think of something decaying, it, it begins to decompose, um, begins to rot. There's a smell, there's a stench. Peter is suggesting that the moral decay or corruption is as a result of of the sinful desire that is just so rampant in the world today. And don't we see it? That? The things that people do for greed, the things that people do for power, the things that people do for wealth, and we just, we can see that, the breakdown in society, even just last week in our own country, people inciting violence for their own political gain, not keeping people in mind, Um, it's, it's shameful, it's hectic and it's shameful. But church, we know that we are successful in our escape because Christ has delivered us from that. So I just want to I just want to close for us. I know today was a short one, but I just want to close for us today with a bit of application, um, and I just want us to get us thinking about a few things. Um, I'm a big fan of application, um, and as we move kind of further through 2 Peter, we are going to see a few more discernible pieces of scripture that are clearer than the one we've than the one we've read today. I touched on it at the beginning about not being able to go a week without emphasizing the importance of the Bible um, and what it teaches. I also mentioned that Peter is reinforcing another point that he tried to drive home in his first letter, the point that this life that we live is not the one that looks like the rest of the world. Do we fully understand what that means, church? I, I really had to wrestle with that this week, um, even just just thinking on this divine power, the divine nature, do we truly understand what it means to be set apart from the world? I had to, I had to give myself kind of a few pep talks and, and just shake myself up a little bit um, because this d- divine power is truly a part of our lives as Christians. What does it look like in your life? We share this equal faith. I had to ask this, this question of myself, you know. I know that that divine power is there for us to glorify God with. And so are we praying into strength to resist temptation? Are we asking God to reveal the joy that He's promised us? How can we experience fullness of joy now? We, we can't. We're not in heaven yet. We're not in our glorified bodies. But we can. God is telling us. We can. He's made these promises to us. And because we have the surety of those promises. We know Christ is going to fulfill those. We can live in the fullness of joy now. He says to us, sons, daughters, I have granted you all things to persevere through this life. So see, my charge to us as a church is is just to pray. It's to pray for a deeper relationship with Jesus. It's to pray that God would reveal himself through his word to us to pray that he would move us closer and closer to godliness each day. And like I said before, I I can't stress this enough. We need to be spending time in our words. We need to be buried in our Bibles for this to happen. Um, So I just hope you feel encouraged. I, I, I just want to leave you with that. Pray for a deeper relationship with Jesus. Pray that God would reveal himself through his word to us and to pray that he would move us closer and closer to godliness, closer and closer to his truth each day. Amen. I'm going to pray for us. Worship team. Yeah, Father, thank you so much for your word uh, to us. We are so excited to just delve into this book to see what you are saying to us, Lord. Father, we really do. We we pray for a depth of relationship with you. We know that throughout this life, we will never even scratch the surface of, of who you are, Lord. But we pray that the closer and closer we get towards the end of our life, that we will Look more and more like you. We will know you more than we know you now, Lord. And we will love you for it. We will wrestle, but we will love you, Lord. I pray that you would change us through your word. I pray that you would transform us, Father. When we read, it won't just wash over us. They're not just words. This is not just a routine that we do, Lord, but we go to your word because we love you and we love to hear from you. We want you to transform us, Lord, when we read it. Your word pierces through bone and marrow, and it pierces our hearts, Father. And we pray every day, pray that you would give us just the determination to go to your word, to consult you in our lives, Lord. You do guide us, and you do provide us a divine power to stay on the straight and narrow, to glorify you every single day. So, Lord, please, just be with us, go with us in the rest of this day. Bring us back together soon, Father, so we can worship you together and and study your word together. In Jesus' name. Amen.